Hello, I'm Brad Hayes and I'm an FY2 doctor working in South East London. And welcome to the Class of Corona, a podcast for medical students about to start working in the NHS. As always, you can get in contact with us via the SurveyMonkey link in the description below or at classofcorona2020 at gmail.com. This week's episode is The Ward, so let's get on with the podcast. Uh, so before we start the questions, I'm going to hand you over to our esteemed panel. Uh, do you mind introducing yourselves? Uh, so I'm Rachel and I'm currently doing an F3 in respiratory, which I've been doing for the last six months on and off. And I'm Andrew. I'm an FY3 working in intensive care in central London. My first question of the day is what members of staff are present on a normal NHS ward? So you've got lots of people on the ward, but I think if we start with the most important person who's your nurse in charge, and they're the person that really from day one, you want to make sure that you're polite to them and that you make, you make friends with them because they're going to make your life a lot easier and help you out when you get stuck. Working with them, then got probably five or six nurses, depending on the size of your ward. And working with those nurses would be HCAs who are helping them to do bloods, change beds and sort of help the patients out. Moving away from nurses, you're going to have a pharmacist on your ward. Again, this is someone that if you make friends with them early, they will make your life much easier when it comes to writing discharge letters and rewriting drug charts. Then you've got physios and occupational therapists. I didn't know really what the difference between them was when I started. So to put it simply, physios are going to get people up and moving and able to walk out of hospital and occupational therapists are going to make them cope at home when they do go home. Then... The other people that you've got is your ward clerk and they're probably equally as important as your nurse in charge. These, they're the person who's going to help do your referrals, they're going to tell you where notes are, they're going to tell you where different departments are, how to refer to different MDTs and things like that. So there's a lot of people, the most important people being your nurse in charge and your ward clerk. So I'd make friends with them from day one. Uh, but there are other people on the ward who will be on the ward every so often. Do you mind talking through a couple of those for me? So there's a few people that I would say they, they form the, sort of the backbone of the actual hospital's infrastructure. They're the ones that keep everything flowing and keep everything running in the best case scenario. Um, so you've got um, hospital usually have a bed manager. Um, they'll be responsible for allocating beds from patients being edited through A&E, etc. through to assessment areas, medical assessment areas or clinical decision units through then to the medical and surgical wards. Um, and making sure that that's flowing well and people are going to the right wards and the right beds for them. So working with the bed manager will be the site manager. Um, They're partly responsible for keeping the flow of beds going throughout the hospital, but they also deal with other things like clinical incidents, security concerns, staffing, um, and any other sort of issues that might arise um, during the shift. Um, Often, if there's something that they need your help with, they'll give you a call. and often if, you're, if you've got any problems with people that are meant to be on call, not available, your site manager may be able to help you find them or come up with a solution. The, the security team is an incredibly helpful team in the hospital. Obviously, they'll be making sure that the hospital itself is kept safe and they'll be keeping an eye on the, the, on the doors. But also if there's a situation that needs de-escalating, you can call the security team and often they'll have a dedicated um, priority number that can be accessed through the switchboard. And then you'll also have discharge coordinators. They'll work with uh, the medical staff on the wards, as well as the nurses, the occupational therapists, the physiotherapists, um, and also local services like 
patient transport, ambulances, care providers and care homes, nursing homes in the community. To link up all of the pieces of the jigsaw for some of the complex discharges that you may have. They're very, very helpful at getting the ball rolling on these difficult discharges and often um, are a good resource to speak to if you want to try and help get things moving. And people within the hospital to support you as a junior doctor, you will have allocated to you at the start of your F1, but you should have a supervisor that will be looking after you for your time at the hospital. Um, they'll be called your educational supervisor, and um, throughout all your rotations throughout that year, you'll be reporting to them for regular meetings to check on your progress. And they'll be your, your main port of call if things are going, if there's any issues with your training. Within each placement or rotation you have, you'll also have a clinical supervisor. Um, they're more responsible for you, any issues that arise on a, on a more clinical or medical basis. For example, if there's um, problems with the rotor on your ward, or with any equipment that you may need. Within each rotation, your rotor will be put together by a rotor coordinator. In some departments, that will be a dedicated administrator. In other departments, that will be one of the doctors, usually one of the more senior doctors on the rotor. They should be allocating your annual leave, your on-call shifts, and your general day-to-day -day shifts. And they, the person to speak to about annual leave, study leave, um, compassionate leave and any other, other any other issues that you may have with your working rotor. Um, I think what would also be good now is to talk through the structure of an NHS ward and how it runs from the start of the day to the end of the day. So generally the nurses will have their handover normally at about seven o'clock in the morning before the doctors arrive on the ward. Um, in your guys' experience, what's the first thing you should be doing when you get in in the mornings? So I think the first thing and probably the most important thing that you do as an F1 in the morning is it's your job to update the list. So the list is going to be your best friend. It's going to be the thing that gets you through when people are on the phone asking you questions about your patients that you don't know. So it's in your best interest to keep it up to date and well informed. So the list is, it's just a list of all the patients on the ward that are in your team. They'll have things like their names, date of birth, hospital numbers, what they've come in with, what their past medical history is, a little bit about their social situation, do they live on their own, have they got a package of care? And then there's also usually a column for jobs that need to be done, which is helps hand over to people who are gonna be there the next day if you're not there, and also for weekend teams and things like that as well. So each day you go in and you would look and see if there's any new patients on the ward. If there's new patients you work at, they're gonna be on your team or another team. And then if they're on your team, you add them to your list with the brief bits, like we said, why have they come in? What's their issues? How old are they? What sort of things are gonna to need to be done? And then you can use that list throughout the day when you go to radiology, if the radiologist suddenly turns around and says, have they got asthma? And off the top of the head, you don't know, you can look at your list and you've got all of their problems there waiting for you to look at. So that's the most important thing that you do first thing in the morning. And often it means that actually you do have to come in maybe 10, 15 minutes before everybody else does so that you've got time to sort that out before the day properly starts at nine o'clock when the rest of the ward team arrive. I think that's a really fantastic point. Keeping on top of your list is probably the best way that you can keep organized as an F1. So keeping all of that information on there is a really, really good thing to do. Now, most of the time when you arrive on a new job or a new ward, there will be a list there for you to populate or to update. But if you do find yourself in a situation where that's not there and you need to put together a list of your own, 
Um, the easiest way, in my opinion, to do that is to follow an SBAR format. So make four columns, um, one for the, the situation, which would be the patient's details, their identity, their date of birth, their allergies, their hospital number. Um, the background would be why they came in and any relevant medical history. The assessment would be where they are and the relevant blood test observations, things that you need to be aware of. And then the recommendation would be more like a, the actual jobs list there. So if you do need to put one together yourself, that's a really quick and easy way to do so. So we've updated the list. Next thing is going to be the morning board round. Uh, do you mind just talking me through what a board round is and how to briefly present a patient at a board round? So the board round is an opportunity for all of the relevant parties on the ward that we've just talked about earlier to come together and in a very quick and concise way um, work out who's on the ward, what they need and what needs to be done that day. So it's often a, an opportunity to review the, which new patients are on the ward and if there's any confusion about what team they're under, often the board round will be where that will be sorted. Um, and also a way to quickly review any uh, jobs, tasks or transfers that need to happen that day. For example, any scans that may need porters involved, um, any treatments that need equipment planned. Different wards and different um, units will run their board round in a slightly different way. Some of them are nursing led, some of them are medical led. Um, but really what you want to be doing if you are having to present at this board round is keep it very brief. Nobody needs to hear the entire um, patient's backstory, their a summary of their whole stay. You just want the salient points, why they came into hospital, where they are in their treatment, any big jobs that are outstanding for that day. Yeah, I think the key thing is that it's the board round is not a ward round. Um, so it's not to deal with medical problems. It's to say, when can the patient go home and what has to happen before they can go home. And don't be afraid as, as a junior member of the team to, to speak up in a board round. It's often as the juniors, you have more time to go and speak to your patients. You may have found out things that other people haven't found out. You might find out that a patient's daughter is away on holiday for three weeks, which means she can't go home, that she hasn't told somebody else yet. So everybody's voice is important in a board round. So next up, we've had a board round in the morning. Uh, it's time for a consultant ward round. How, as an F1, do you organise a good ward round and make it flow really well? You're going to have a consultant ward round a couple of times a week. And if it's not a consultant, it should be registrar or SHO-led. As an F1, especially to start with, you're not going to be leading your own ward rounds. So a key to a ward round is have an issues list. So what's currently wrong with the patient? What are the main things? So do they have, for example, pneumonia, an AKI and an oxygen requirement? That's three issues. The next thing that you want to look at is what's currently going on with them. So what's happening today? Then you want a section for on examination. So your consultant should be examining the patient. And that's where you record down what they heard on their chest, what their obs are. So then you'd move on, you'd have a look at the relevant investigation. So what are their latest blood tests? Have they had a chest x-ray or an ABG recently? And then after that, you need to look at things everybody looks at for each patient. So have they got their oxygen prescribed? Have you reviewed the drug chart today? Have they got VTE prescribed? And have they had a recess or escalation status discussed? And these are things that should be done every day. They should be reviewed. Consultants are often busy, but you shouldn't be afraid to say, this patient is still for recess. Do we agree with that? Or this patient doesn't have any VTE prescribed. Is that something deliberate or has it been missed? And bringing the drug talk up and saying, can you have a look at the drug chart? How are they still on antibiotics? Should they still be on their antibiotics? 
they're the sort of things that you need to be looking at every ward round and don't be afraid to bring it up with your consultant if your consultant hasn't noticed that they don't have a resource status or that they don't have BT that's your job as a junior to be making sure that they're noticing those things to address them every day and most people listening to this will have picked this up from their their placements as students but you'll, you'll get that the surgical ward rounds are much punchier and much quicker than the medical ward rounds um, often that's because the surgical issues are more straightforward it's a case of are they pre-surgery or post-surgery um, and generally the patients tend to be less complex um, but it does mean that as a junior your your job in documenting and keeping up with the ward round is often quite hard because the the registrar the consultant leading it will often be moving very quickly um, some people like to put down the most important information there and then and then they can come back and update with with more detail if they need to um, personally I found that I would risk missing out in pieces of information if I did that so don't be scared to just ask the person leading the ward round to slow down for a minute if you do need some more time to fill in the notes um, often they will they will forget that it does take time to physically write or type out information and most people whenever I've asked that have been receptive to um, taking things a little bit slower yeah and I think the important thing to remember what you're writing down is then what's on the record and your consultants and your registrars would much rather you wrote down what actually happened rather than what you think happened or what they think you said happened. And there's a really good acronym that I've been shown called the Safe Medics Ward Round Checklist and it covers um, sugars, so glucose, antibiotics, fluids, escalation plans, medications including oxygen, um, estimated discharge date, DVT prophylaxis, infections, cannulas and stool charts. I'll put a link in the description below. I think that's really good if you do find yourself with just an SHO doing a ward round. If you make sure you cover all of those points, you're not going to be missing anything. I think that's a really positive thing, especially when you're first starting. Just to add as well, um, we've said that as an F1, you won't be expected to do your own ward rounds. And I would say 99% of the time that is true. But there may be an occasional situation where you are asked to do a ward round that, sh that will be reviewed at a later date. Um, say so in that situation my personal feeling is that um, you should try where possible to um, get somebody more senior to come around with you um, but if you do find yourself in that situation often what people will be expecting you to do is follow the plans from the consultant or registrar ward rounds earlier in the week and not to be coming up with lots of new management ideas of your own ultimately the, the patients are the person responsible for the patient's care is the consultant um, and such, if you do have any concerns or any questions about um, things that have come up, um, it definitely needs to be escalated to either the registrar or the consultant. Um, but you, just to say that you may find yourself in a situation where, for, for whatever reason, you're the one doing the ward round. So you've just finished the ward round. The next um, thing to do is going to be to make a jobs list and prioritise what jobs should be, you should be in first and what can wait till later. And that's what we're going to discuss in the next episode as its own, um, as its own episode. So after that, after you've done some jobs, you're probably going to be going for lunch. Does anyone have anything to say about lunch? So I think the, the most important thing is there is often never a good time to go for a break or go for lunch. There is always something that needs to be done. And the temptation is to try and just get everything done. But it's also really important to have a break. Even if you take 15 minutes and you go and just sit outside for 15 minutes 
it's important to take a break. You're much more productive once you've had a break than you are if you just keep working all day. And with the way that medical surgical wards run, there's not a natural lull in the day. You just have to make a decision. I'm going to go for lunch now. You speak to your nurse in charge and say, I'll be back in, I'll be back in half an hour. If there's an emergency, I've got the bleep. If not, I'll be back. And nurses are generally very receptive to that. They have protective breaks and things like that. So, you know, make sure that you take it. Don't feel like you're ever too busy to take a lunch break. I think that might be the most important message of all, from all of these podcasts, actually. I know myself that the days that I've pushed through without a lunch break and just tried to crack on because things are busy, it's impossible to keep your concentration that long particularly when you're busy um they're the days really that more than more than on a quiet day you really need to actually sit down and take a lunch break so you've just come back from lunch and there's an mdt discussion in the afternoon you weren't expecting it but you've been drawn into an mdt discussion what is your role as an f1 in the mdt so the mdt very much like the board round it is it's it's everybody coming together. It's your physios, your occupational therapists, your dietitians, your nurse in charge, your pharmacist, and your discharge coordinator. And the aim of this meeting is how do we get this patient home safely? So your role is to give a very brief summary of what's stopping them from going home. Are they medically fit for discharge? And when will they be medically fit for discharge? I'd just like to add to that. Um, the phrase medically fit for discharge is a phrase that might you might get asked that by a number of different members of staff, are they medically fit? And it's something sometimes I felt at the start that I was being pushed to say that they were medically fit. Um, but it's really important that you just say, I'm not sure. I'm going to ask one of my seniors. Um, my regional consultant needs to make that decision. That's a legal thing. Um, until you have full registration with the GMC, which you get at the, at the moment, you get at the end of F1, you can't be the one responsible for medically discharging a patient. So if you ever are in a situation where somebody is trying to pressure you into making that decision, um, you can just tell them, look, I'm sorry, I legally can't do that as an F1 or as an FIY1. So the MDT is finished. It's getting to the end of the day and you've done all of your jobs. What sort of things do you do to um, finish everything off at the end of the day? So I think a really good habit to get into at the end of the day, especially on busy wards, um, like acute medical wards, surgical wards, is just to take five minutes with the nurse in charge and be like, would you like me to update you about what's going on? That way you know before you've left that the nurses know who's sick, who needs to be reviewed overnight, or who's due for discharge the next day, or who's still to go home the next day. It just means that there's good communication, you're building up trust, and you're making sure that everybody's aware of anyone who's unwell or needs something doing overnight or early in the morning before you come in. Um, one of the other things to to do before before you go home as well is to look at the patients on the ward and think is there anything that needs to happen overnight or later that evening um, that I need to hand over to the on-call team. So if you've requested bloods and they're not back they have to be handed over. Any bloods you haven't seen the results of should be reviewed at some point. Any scans that are going to happen you can hand over those to be reviewed. So, um, some people will absolutely um, work themselves to the bone and stay late until eight o'clock every day um, because they're not handing things over that should be handed over. Um, some of that just comes with experience and often it is difficult to, to work out what job is appropriate to hand over to the on-call team and what isn't. And actually, if you ask 10 different people, you often get 10 different answers. But it's something to be aware that if you are staying late every day um, and you are dealing with um, 
staying late to follow up investigations that have been done in the day, just think to yourself or ask some of your senior colleagues, is this something that would be appropriate for me to hand over to the on-call team? I really like that. And I think that leads us into our top takeaway uh, for today's session. I think everyone's probably going to agree on this one, but my top takeaway is take your breaks. Um, you're a lot more efficient if you've had food and water and just get away from the ward at some point during the day. Otherwise, it can just feel like a very claustrophobic place. Being on a ward for the first time, it's going to feel overwhelming. It's going to be busy. People, especially at the moment, things people are busy. But what I'd say is that actually the wards are really well staffed at the moment. Morale is pretty high. Everybody is really working together as a team um, and kind of getting each other through the day at the moment. And so you will become part of that team and don't feel like you can't ask for help or say, I don't know what to do. How do I do this? How can I help? Everybody in the team can help you. Nurses can tell you where things are. Physios can tell you where things are. People want to help. People will be trying to make your days easier. So if you just go in with a smile, be polite and be friendly, people are going to be the same back to you. Eat lunch and go to the toilet. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Second time that going to the toilet has come up in our session. I'd, I'd, I'd have that tattooed on myself if I could. <laughs> so I think that leads us really well into the next session, which is going to be how do you prioritise different jobs and how do you do jobs efficiently, which is a really important part of being an F1. So we'll see you guys soon.